Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with artist Mike King about the 1980 post-punk album for How Much Longer Do We Tolerate Mass Murder by The Pop Group. To be honest, I had never even heard of this album, but I was super into it and so glad Mike introduced me to it. It's such a viscerally political record that it still resonates in so many ways today. We also talk later in the conversation about the second pressing of Mike's book, Maximum Plunder, which compiles his 30-plus years of art into one amazing book. You'd recognize his work with Nirvana, Foo Fighters, Black Flag, Mud Honey, Public Enemy, Ice-T, Ornette Coleman, Sun Ra, and honestly, the list goes on and on. Maximum Plunder is available for purchase now at shop.gocollect.com. If you order now, you can receive an art print signed by Mike King while supplies last. Quick disclaimer, I am an employee of GoCollect, but my desire to chat with Mike was purely born out of want to pick his brain about music, due in part to seeing his work on a daily basis. Seeing so many, like, 80s punk posters and into grunge and alt and indie of the early 2000s, I just simply knew I needed to pick his brain. If you're a fan of rock art history, I can't recommend the book enough. Okay, before we get into the chat, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and just simply tell a friend. That's at spinning out on social media. Okay. Let's chat with Mike King. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Hot and cranky as usual. <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> as usual. I feel like I've known you as being a Portland artist, but uh, when doing my tiny bit of research uh, that I do for these, um, you're in Brooklyn now. Yes, yes. I moved from Portland almost six years ago and now live, live in Brooklyn in the, in the uh, top floor of a very dilapidated uh, mansion. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a kind of a in a kind of a fancy neighborhood which is a funny place to uh to be to be but that's where that's where we're at now i mean i think that um the the whole portland thing was was very much uh a kind of such a big part of my experiences and i guess who i was and how i was perceived the idea of going someplace else where nobody knows who you are and just have having to meet people instead of just kind of walking around the streets of your town and go, Hey, how's it going? You know, to people that you've seen whatever once a week for the last 30 years or whatever. So yeah. it was, it was a, it was an interesting, an interesting, um, it's been an interesting challenge. I think it's been good in a lot of ways. Uh, of course, you know, the whatever last 
16 months of of uh, apocalyptic hellscape yeah. has been has been less than less than uh, uh, upbeat but uh, you know it's been it's been interesting and it's I guess it's nice to know that that you can survive it yeah. at least I could that I that I managed to however by you know being scared shitless and spending most of the time in my apartment uh, managed to survive and not get sick so I'm happy about that when I think about like your art as a whole like even thinking about some of the posters and we'll get into the topic of today um, yes. but you know I'm thinking of you know things like there's a lot of poison idea posters there's a lot of you know dead moon things um, sure. and so it's like thinking about you in uh, Brooklyn as opposed to Portland you know just almost like somehow breaks my fragile mind just it's like you're not allowed to be you know because it's like you're it feels so rooted in that scene and I always like seeing those kind of staples or even some of the ones that people wouldn't really pick out you know like uh I don't know just kind of Portland centric bands that sure didn't get I mean po poison idea but just like kind of seeing them on like a almost like a Monday show you know, right. so there's plenty of those kind of things. Yeah. Just seeing them as a local staple um, is interesting. But with that said, we are not talking about Poison Idea or Dead Moon today. Uh, we are talking about the 1980 album by the pop group called For How Much Longer Do We Tolerate Mass Murder? Um, a and, long and upbeat yeah. title. Yes. Perhaps the, the longest and most upbeat titles of of any uh any record i've that i own i think so yeah and was this album the first time you heard the pop group or was it their previous album why that's a good question and i'm not entirely sure i feel like i probably did hear that hear it kind of in the correct chronological order mm -hmm. um uh so i probably did hear why first because i mean the thing is that's like because i'm i'm super old and mm -hmm. as an early adopter to um to punk rock with access to above average record stores mm -hmm. i think i probably heard why pretty pretty close to when it came out yeah and there's not a crazy long turnaround with uh with you know between why and for how much longer do we tolerate mass murder hope yeah i don't have to keep saying the full title the whole time yeah but, uh, that's the second one <laughs> um so you know it's 79 for why and then 1980 the second record yeah. which we're speaking about yeah. so pretty quick turnaround yeah and i would think actually i think the the thing that because I was think, trying to think back about this, and it's like, I think what might have really made the initial, my initial sort of um, impression, the initial strong impression uh, of the pop group was actually in between the two records, there was a single, uh, She Is Beyond Good and Evil, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, not, on any, not on any of the actual normal records like not it's not on the either of those two albums and the, and and being really uh really drawn to that um even though 
she is beyond good and evil kind of follows sort of the the themes more of why than of how much longer yada 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 um you know less of still still sort of good because why is kind of a little more I don't know, sort of uh, at least thematically a little more, uh, I don't know, mystical or something. While yeah. the, the second album is really just, just, you know, a, a kind of rage against Thatcherism and every, everything that's kind of happened in the, the political life of the, of the West for the, you know, the, at least the previous 20 or 30 years. Yeah. And then the which, next the 40 yeah, years. Which makes sense, makes, yeah. Which makes sense too. Cause it was, you know, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I don't know at, at the point that Mark Stewart, the singer, I mean, by the time they made the second album, he was probably still like 21 or something. So yeah. quite young. So. Yeah. That's what makes it interesting to think about, how young he would have been and so whenever you propose that we do this record to be honest i had even never heard of the pop group and yeah. you know like i feel like i it's like i i feel like usually i can say uh well i've never listened to them you know but i know who that is that kind of cliche mm-hmm. um but it was like i don't know who this is well, you know yeah all. and uh, and obviously obviously the choice of this album was was a you know me being a smart ass yeah it's like oh well let's see if you know of course i was gonna you know pick pick something that that you know it's sort of like i don't know i just to pick to pick something that was that was maybe not obscure but i mean i was happy that i was happy that you hadn't heard it and i was happy that you'd listened to it and at least saw something in it that maybe I don't know if you saw what I saw, but you saw something and saw the value in it. So yeah. in, in that way, you know, I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I'm not trying to be like, you know, mm-hmm. like some sort of smart record store. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's upon listen, like it's, it's not out of the realm of, uh, you know, things of the time. Like it feels like it, you know, fits into public image limited. It feels like it fits into gang. Well, and the, yeah. And the, and the, and the fact, the fact is that the drummer from the pop group at one point later on did play in public image. Yeah. Bruce and Smith. the fact that you probably, yeah. The fact that you probably, they, you know, he also played drums in the slits and maybe, you know, the slits, mm-hmm. the chances mm-hmm. are good. You know, the, the slits maybe are more famous. I don't know, but a lot of people, I mean, that's the slits are a band. At least a lot of people go, Oh yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, this feels like a record that, you know how there's, there's like things like uh, the band death. Uh, it's almost like, this is like a record that people could be like, Oh, see what I discovered. But it, it also, it doesn't. When you say death, you mean the Detroit. Yeah. Not the, the Detroit death, death not metal the band, Flor- not the Florida death. Yeah. yeah. Are the you know the Sugar Man documentary those kind of things where it's like right. you know people are like I see what I found you know and sometimes yeah. to mixed results in my mind but you know but mm-hmm. this this feels like it's like I don't understand why it's been forgotten to a bigger degree yeah. it could just be me but I yeah. you know 
I, you know, I spoke to a record store owner and he's, he's like, Oh, I know that record, which wasn't surprising. Uh, you know, but like with what's different, I think between public image limited and even like, I guess if I'm bringing dead Kennedys into it, sometimes like the, points that, yeah, the points that they make on records while political in quotes, um, if still kind of feels like sloganeering and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and this does not. No, uh -uh. no. And, and, and I think, I, I think part of it too, is I think that the, everything, everything about the approach to this record is so kind of visceral. Uh -huh. So sort of like the way, you know, like the singing is just whatever. I mean, it's, yeah. it, uh, you know, to, to call it singing is I, I, you know, the vocals, you know, are just very sort of like, Everything is kind of like, if you can imagine the, you know, whatever meter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything is in the red. Yeah. It's all in the red. Everything is the, everything is so sort of like strained and choppy and kind of just un, uncomfortable, but also just so kind of like, you know, they, they, it's, it's tapped into, tapped into something. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I mean, it reminds me of certain things, but it's almost like, like, I don't know if you've heard the album Worlds Apart by Subhumans, uh, but there's, Ooh. it's not that there's like definitely more like post-punk and kind of funk and other things that go into it, but it's almost like if there was like an inverse to that, that specific album, and they just decided to make completely different choices because everything on a lot of subhumans later records are very clean, but pop group made a decision. It's like, we could do that or we could just make everything like sound like gravel, <laughs> like right. a good effect. You know, I, I like that it does that because it allows you to kind of dig for it more. Like I feel like you yeah. would with like a, for, for like a jazz record. I feel like, like sometimes mm -hmm. you have to spend a little bit more time with it. Yeah um it also kind of brings to mind stylistically which was potential uh, like a few years later like that band siege but not so much like in the style of punk that they play mm -hmm. but there's like elements of like free jazz and things in it mm -hmm. um yeah, just a lot of conversations with with a, it was kind of a precursor to like grind so it, like okay. napalm death probably sure. wouldn't okay. be a band without siege so it was one of those kind of things mm -hmm. or like the pre-dinosaur junior band uh deep wound um so Ooh. very similar to that i mean yeah. deep wound was a response to siege and so what you know Ooh. like that kind of thing just i guess trying to pull at the hairs of things that it's like what you know just the why isn't this known as much as what i'm asking you but i don't know if we have an answer yeah well and and also i mean just to to get back to sort of why i shows the record yeah. too is that it did have a profound influence on me i mm -hmm. think it was a really you know an important it was an important record for you know it wasn't it was an important record not just because many people haven't heard of it it's mostly because it, it really meant a lot to me and continues to mm -hmm. so in in that way i think that it's uh you know that's part of part of why it was why i chose it i mean i think that uh 
the, the, the record is, it's like, it's like uh, funk, but not funky. Mm-hmm. It's like dub, but it's not reggae. It's like free jazz, but it's not. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I, I mean, I've always and continue to subscribe to a fairly lenient sort of like, uh, um, you know, like, you know, what, what punk is mm-hmm. can be a lot of things to me, I think. So yeah. it's not necessarily just a particular, a particular sound or a particular this or, 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 or that, you know, it's not the, it's not the, you know, that it's, it's that punk isn't necessary in my mind, punk is not necessarily rock and roll quote unquote rock and roll, you know, it's, it, it, and so I think that there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot about that pop group record. That's like punk as fuck. I mean, seriously, you yeah. know, even though musically, yes, the energy is there that I, that's part of what makes it, in my mind sort of makes it punk, but it's also just this kind of like, you know, just the, the kind of, there's like a chaos to it that's obviously not just chaos, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, 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 it's a well, I think it's well thought out. I think it's like, this is, you know, what's happening here is, is happening this way for a reason, not just, oh, it just happened that we made this record that sounds like this. And I think that, I think that it's a, it's, um, it's, 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 it's pretty smart in its musicality just because it, because it, uses such sort of desperate sort of sounds and 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 everything that it's like it could so easily go off the rail this could be the shittiest record ever and somehow in my mind at least it's one of the best records ever you know because it's kind of like oh yeah just you know let's do let's let's take all these things that i just talked about funk and dub and free jazz and punk and it's just like, oh, this can be terrible. This sounds on paper to be terrible. Yeah, there's a lot of bad examples of this. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, more than there are good examples. Yeah. Um, well, you then... know, like good example and not really the same band at all, but it's like the same kind of elements of things that you've mentioned as like dub, you know, funk. Um, I mean, that's that could also be Clash London Calling. You know, it's it's put through a different filter, you know, um, but it's the filter that they chose is. Yeah. And, 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 and as, and as much as I, as much as I love the clash, you know, the clash made, made a a lot of bad choices, uh, but they did make a lot of choices. So that's, that's cool. I think that the, the, um, the, the kind of the politics of the clash is very, very sort of, you know, bumper sticker kind of like, well, you, you know, I, I yeah. guess you could have a bumper sticker that says how much longer do, do we tolerate mass murder? 
but probably, probably, probably not. Yeah. And the, so it's kind of like, a, um, yeah, the, the, the clash is, is a much more, much more sort of simple kind of rock and roll slogan kind of band. Yeah. I mean, I get that desire and, and God that. bless them for it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just a different thing. I guess it's like the, you catch more flies with honey in a way, when you think about yeah. the clash or other bands that kind yeah, of, but, but you, this is, this but is you, not. but you kill more flies with poison. <laughs> yeah. And also it makes me think of when I think about that idea of like sloganeering though, I also think about, I don't know, like one of the songs on this record is there are no spectators. So yeah. when I think about that song, it's kind of like you can't just be to me it's it's sort of saying that you can't just be apolitical you can yeah. you kind of got to pick one side and a yeah, which war. side are you on yeah and so yeah. it's you know so it's like sometimes sometimes that kind of sloganeering i guess even going back to dead kennedy's i think allows people to almost it just easily miss the point you know mm-hmm. uh, and they can attach something else to it they can well well and, and the thing the thing too is that you know one of the things that the dead kennedy's brought to the table is a sense of humor the pop group don't seem to have much of a sense of humor. not really yeah <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing you know or or the or you know on, at least on the surface there's no sense of humor perhaps there's you know perhaps they are laughing it up you know they were laughing it up at the time i don't i don't know you know maybe they were enjoying themselves just fine but but you know that's the thing it's like the, the you know dead kennedys were kind of you know, wry and sardonic or whatever. Yeah. While, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I sometimes when I see like a very, um, we'll say bleak is what a lot of this record is. Sometimes when yeah. things are this utterly bleak, I find it funny, you know? So I don't know sure. if they, if they have that same sense of humor, then I, I see it. But saying that, the, yeah, this definitely does not have like on surface level sense of humor at right. all. Uh, right. even like down to like the album art you know no, uh-uh. yeah no and it's and and again and the album art too is very sort of like for like as a designer it's kind of like not designed but designed mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like yeah yeah somebody put it it seems like someone put the cover together it doesn't seem like somebody designed it yeah you know Compared to compared to Y, which I think is a is a much more kind of designed cover. Yeah. Or actually, if you if you can find the "She Is Beyond Good and Evil" single, that's beautifully designed. It's a very nice uh, package. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it what what also struck me with when I first started listening to it is just how much of this is still relevant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just sadly relevant like so much of this outside of i mean thatcherism still exists in you know boris johnson but you know sure. it's, it's just all of it's relevant even to like a sure and western, and uh, yeah western world and you know nixon and kissinger aren't, aren't the only ones who should be tried for war crimes yeah i mean there's you know there's plenty of there's no shortage of criminals there's no shortage of banks that probably should be robbed there is no, you know, there are yeah. no spectators. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I would say, you know, to anyone listening, this is because I, like I told you before we started recording, I'm not one to 
really vocals aren't always like the first thing even though i like sing in my own bands but it's like it's sometimes i think about it as like an instrument like being growing up with like punk and metal it's almost like another thing that's there might as well be another guitar you know but sometimes when a message hits you so directly you know it's like i had to like tolerance as a mask of apathy attrition is a daily policy it's just like oh there's no way i can't not listen to that and i don't know if any of that kind of after this many years from it like kind of sticks at you still i mean i guess it does because you said nixon and kissinger the nixon and kissinger line and uh, i believe kissinger is still alive and still has he is he is still alive so it's not too late there's still hope there's still hope to try try kissinger for war crimes the track one out of many is not on the record on spotify Probably does, is it is it, it uh, uh, a copyright issue because of the last poets? I would assume. I mean, that's what I kind yeah. of assume right away was. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> but Ooh. it's it's such a thing that it's like it's a little stylistically different from the record. But I think it's the record goes in ways that it, it does fit in. Um, Absolutely. But it, it, in theme, it you know it totally fits in. You know. So it's, you know, cheating, stealing and double dealing as they exploit the people's fears. And for a few dollars more, they'd start a war to exploit some brother's mother. So and then later on, it's like created by black people's knowledge and wealth. And over the pyramid hangs the devil's eye. So for a record that really touches on a lot of like, I guess, like British politics in a way, um, that's where Mm -hmm. it gets much more overtly American in its Westernism critique. But where I'm kind of getting with that is, uh, do you feel like this made an impact for you in like discovering early hip hop, like this record as a whole? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know that. I I don't know that it made any kind of. I don't know that it made any sort of connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think my knowledge my knowledge oh yeah that makes it (laughs) makes it sound like i know a lot my uh awareness of of hip-hop kind of came from a kind kind of came from a different place again one of the record stores where there was where there was records uh where i heard a lot of great records they also had a lot of records that they just sold for cheap and at one point it was like you could buy, I mean, this must have been, I don't know, in the early eighties at this, at this like mostly punk rock record store, you could buy um, hip hop, 12 inches, Sugar Hill records and all of that sort of stuff. They were like 25 cents each. And so I would buy them <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Listen to this. It's like, oh, this is pretty cool. And this is this is a uh, you know, it kind of in retrospect, it's in, in my mind, hip hop, at least at its at its at its kind of uh, in at the moment of its invention was kind of almost more punk than punk. Yeah. In the respect that it's you know it was sort of like okay, most of the music was just made out of made out of little, little bits of other people's leftovers of old records that were just sitting around. But truth be told, most 
punks were, I think it was a much more middle class. So especially in America, a much more middle class kind of movement or genre or whatever. So, I mean, that's sort of like, I mean, yeah, you know, if you're, if, if you're poor and you're plugging your record players into the, into the, the outlet in the park and playing little bits of somebody else's record to make your own thing out of it. That seems very, that seems pretty punk to me. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's like a class conversation in a way it's like music of kind of the common peoples, I guess, you know, um, you know, so, so, cause sometimes I feel like it's like, I don't want to put the word punk on everything, but I also don't know what else to do. You know, it's like, I agree. I'm, but I'm also saying, I agree with you. Like, I think that it's Genesis of, you know, hip hop is like a street culture and like a, not an upper middle-class thing. Like, so just right. really agreeing with you. So, but it also feels that at some point they're like early punk and hip hop felt like they were coming from the same place and then kind of diverged at some point. Cause it's like, there's so mm-hmm. much commonality here. Yeah, sure. More than, I don't know when you get to even like discharge or something. You right. Kind of 82 right. hardcore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that there's, I think that there's, I, I think that on a, on a social political level, many of the complaints are the same. Mm-hmm. in hip-hop and punk um but in in many ways it's kind of like well how you know how that's how that's addressed and it, you know how those themes are addressed is where it starts to diverge in most cases i mean being you know being a, a white you know pop group fan of course you know of course, of course, I like Public Enemy, and of course, I like, you know, KRS One, and of course, I like The Message, and of course, I like, you know, all of all of the all of that sort of pro- protest protest hip hop or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And but there's also, you know, and as much as as much as I know. A little bit about a little bit of it you know what i don't know is is uh, you know overwhelming yeah yeah it gets it gets um yeah i recently talked to someone about like early hip-hop compilations and it was you know it was like i know so little about this and i know so little about like things like northern soul and so it's like oh you yeah. know <laughs> yeah, yeah so to so to even have much of uh, much have much of a conversation much less an opinion about it is i i feel like i'm not really qualified to even <laughs> speak of it you know yeah i, I mean I, I can speak of it in a kind of like oh this is what i think this means mm-hmm. and this is what i remember when i was a kid and this is what i like but none of that is really you know that's nothing you could nothing you could base any kind of thesis on that's for sure yeah you know? do you feel like this record then had an impact on you where you arrived politically or do you think there were outs- other outside stimuli that maybe made you uh, go that way i think i think a lot of it i think a lot of the at least politically 
it, it just reinforced thought kind of mm -hmm. thoughts that I'd sort of already had. Um, it just, I, I think it just expressed some of them in a more succinct kind of way, you know, because yeah. I mean, like, I think that like one of the things I thought of too is the, uh, you know, the, um, the pop group are kind of in many ways sort of at least in, in sort of spirit, kind of similar to, to crass. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. But I like the pop group's music a lot more. Yeah. I always found the crass to be, though their records look great, for the most part, they seem very sort of, you know, pretty, pretty sort of, you know, amateurish in many ways. And I also think the crass kind of came from a, from a kind of, very sort of sort of textbook anarchism, you know, where it's kind of just very much, you know, uh, it seems, it seems, um, seems a little studied while the pop group seems a little more observed. Mm -hmm. Somehow crass recently clicked within the past couple of years, but it, mm -hmm. it's, it took me a long time. That happens a lot, doesn't <laughs> it? If you live long enough, some of the stuff you didn't like, you, you didn't like or didn't get does kind of like start to seep in and it's like, oh, okay. I'm going to go, I should go listen to the, I don't think I've listened to the grass in a little while. I should probably revisit that. Yeah, I think it's easier than like, I've revisited like Amoebics um, and mm -hmm. I still, that's a little harder for me um i think it's like coming at the same angle you know yeah. uh but you know crass but also i feel like what kind of clicked with me with crass was kind of the message because the music a lot of times is like ramshackle <laughs> mm -hmm. like so yeah. it's you know so you know but even that it's like i haven't like dug really deep in because it's you know it gets kind of deep if you start going that way but you know it's mm -hmm. like i'm at a point i feel like i'm at a point to compare the two is really funny but it's like where i used to feel like if grateful dead came on i would turn it off mm -hmm. you know and i probably was the same way about like crass because it was like i don't understand what's going on musically but i've gotten to a point well where they're both I've, they're both like you know hippies that lived in communes right yeah just in a different you know, mm -hmm. direction but sure. yeah the the similarities the crass. Really, yeah, they are there are kind of funny to think of the similarities it's like uh-huh uh, you know, it's the same thing as like, you know, this, like the pop group isn't far from, you know, things like Gang of Four, but it's sort of like how someone wants to express it is, you know, yeah. very different. Well, and, so and, and I think, and it's good that you bring up the Gang of Four, because I mean, the Gang of Four is also another one of my very favoritest bands in the world, but it's almost like the pop group was closer to the source. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is this is actually more more sort of like in your guts. Yeah. While the while the the gang of four is probably more, you know, in your head and in your butt, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just you know, or or you know, it's it's kind of there's you know, the gang of four also has a has a great deal of tension, a tension in their in their music, but it is that kind of like 
you know, it's a, it's a push, a push pull while the pop group is like, push, 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 push. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of like, there isn't so much, there isn't so much, uh, blank. There's not so much empty spaces. Yeah. While the gang, gang of four is a little more, there's a little, there's a little more space there. Yeah, I feel like they had like a kind of an appreciation of the space. Like they wanted to almost create space and, on purpose. And, and I and ironically, between the pop group and the Gang of Four, the actual pop group was the Gang of Four, <laughs> yeah. being because they had a pop sensibility, while the pop group. That's probably that's probably the funniest thing the pop group ever did was calling themselves the pop group. Yeah, there's that's that's the yeah. that's the sense of humor. I think like sometimes with listening to this record, it, it really feels like a lot of a lot of kind of music from this time frame. It's like they thought to do what the pop group were doing, but no, like everyone might have been like afraid to go all the way. And it feels like the pop group sure. went all the way. They did everything anyone kind of flirted with but it's, mm-hmm. it's all here. So if this were like Indiana Jones, like this would be like, to me, this would be like the touchstone, kind of the runestone of everything of that era. Like I would say start here, but only if you're ready, you know, with the pop group, like it feels like sure. ground zero, you know, um, to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that that's, I think that that's fair, you know? I mean, I think that that's, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, punk versus post-punk and that, that you know, the pop group were kind of, uh, if not the beginning, very much at the beginning mm-hmm. of, of something kind of beyond just punk. But I mean, at the same time, it's, you know, because of, because of my uh, predisposition to sort of having a kind of broad broad definition of what punk could be it's it's a little harder to kind of come up with oh this is this and this is this is pre and this is post or whatever yeah because i really because i really feel like it it kind of does the pop group a little bit of a disservice by even just saying that that's oh it's a you know an early post-punk thing because i mean it's because it's kind of a lot more than that Mm-hmm. You know, because again, it's it's this this crazy, crazy amalgamation of shit that shouldn't necessarily work, but to the right weirdo, it resonates perfectly. Yeah, yeah, and I guess like I feel like it's like I need to go back to some of the lyrics, or just even like it does have this like Dead Kennedys quality where I feel like you can, you could kind of read each title and get maybe the thesis of what the song is but you know with unlike dead kennedy's with dead kennedy's i feel like if you read the title you get most of it uh in a way Mm -hmm. and that's to no discredit like you know but um with this it's you know so forces of oppression feed the hungry one out of many blind faith how much longer justice there are no spectators communicate and rob a bank so good times (laughs) you know it feels like it's uh you know telling me something there like even just like the idea of i feel like at this point this is 1980 a lot of these thoughts shouldn't still be radical 
to me. <laughs> That's sure. what's so strange. Like it's like, yeah. I, I know people, if you go to the general idea and say, feed the hungry, a lot of people are on board. But when you think about the nuts and bolts of that happening, right. I feel like so many, most everyone jumps off. Right. If you get, to, if you get to, yeah, if you get to the idea that it's like, oh, feeding the hungry. Yes. The feeding the hungry is great. Part of the reason why the hungry need to be fed is because those that those that can eat are eating too much or have yeah. too much access. It's not about it's not about enough food. It's about it's about the mechanism to get food to people and what how a capitalist system is actively working toward, toward actively keeping people hungry. Yeah, it seems like people like you say feed the hungry and then you so well so if we agree with that can i have that bag of donuts you were gonna throw out and they're like oh, mm -hmm. we can't do that there's like a legal stipulation i don't want our company yeah. to get sued you oh know? yeah no we're, <laughs> we're gonna yeah the grocery store is gonna the grocery store is gonna throw away tons of food that's about to expire and if people try to get the food out of the dumpster then the, the police come yeah and stop them <laughs> and that's that's you know those are those are based on shit that happens every day yeah like it's you know, you know in the song you know feed the hungry more than ten thousand men women and children die of starvation every day the major cause of famine and poverty is organized human greed feed the hungry yeah yeah it's like we should have figured that one out and solved it by now but yeah, you, we you, have not think but but again you know the deeper the deeper issue is that there is a a, a giant mechanism that's actively working toward keeping that from happening because that's how the idea that that you know whatever coca-cola says that a that a bottle of a bottle of water is worth a dollar 69 is that's actively making it hard for some people to have water yeah that you know and 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 so it's 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 the it's to the it's to the system's advantage the, the system's advantage to to maintain that because that's how that's how those that those that prop, profit or those are in control maintain their control and their profit so, yeah i mean i think that it's you know it's not it's not the, the, the world grows enough food. Enough food is produced. It's, the, it's, it's, it's distribution and who allows it to be distributed and, and who's defining, defining what the hell food is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Even when I think about things like uh, taxation, it's because I feel like somehow it factors in, you know? <laughs> Like, it's like, well, if we could tax billionaires, then we could, you know, we could probably fix some of these issues if we put it in the right place in the right. Well, if, 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 yeah. if Jeff Bezos would just, just raise the, the wage he plays, pays his employees by $5 an hour, mm -hmm. instead of fucking going to space. Yeah. He's going to get away. And then that, you know, that would solve a lot of hunger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it feels like that simple. And then I think whenever that conversation comes up with, I 
Okay. So as a podcast, we probably don't make interesting conversation because we just agree with each other, you know? So, so maybe if we were debating, Bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, when I think, I think what's funny when you bring that point up to people, they almost become like billionaires in training where they have to defend a Jeff Bezos. And it's like, you're more on my side. Like you should be more on my side than a Jeff Bezos. You will never be him. You know, so it's well, like, you know, I don't, yeah, it's like, I don't get why this is up for discussion. He would be fine if we taxed him more. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I think everybody, everybody is, is very much, cons, you know, very much wants to get theirs within a system that, that exists. That's why people that, people that, you know, worked in, worked in, you know, worked at McDonald's or whatever, you know, once they don't work at McDonald's anymore, they don't have to be nice to the people who work at McDonald's because they're not one of them. Yeah. They've somehow, they've somehow sort of achieved something else. And this whole idea of, of, of oh, well, you know, yeah, I'm going to defend the billionaire because I want to be a billionaire. Well, that's some sort of, you know, I mean, the, re the reality of that is that's, that's, a, that's a thing that's going to happen to well, I don't know, a few tens of thousands of people in the world and the rest of us are never going to be there. Yeah. We're never going to be, we're never going to be a billionaire. And that is a, that is, you know, whatever American dream or capitalist dream or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's a dream. It's something yeah. that you made up in your mind. It doesn't actually exist. Yeah. When I put my fingers together, it's like, you can't see the space between it because that's how much closer I am to, um, well, well, I guess we'll use a McDonald's worker than I am anywhere close to Jeff Bezos. Yeah. You know, so it's like defending. Well, yeah. that, yeah, no, yeah. that, that's the, that's the thing. 99% of the people you meet are always closer to always closer to the night shift guy at McDonald's than they are to Jeff Bezos. Yeah. I'm one tragedy away from being homeless. Yeah. You know, while him one tragedy, and, he'll be fine. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've slowly scraped myself into middle, lower class, middle class, wherever, where, wherever yeah. I am, you know, and, you know, it's like, oh, that's kind of, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I'm probably two, two disasters away from <laughs> total collapse, but I've yeah. spent much of my life a lot closer to, to the total collapse. Yeah. And, you know. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, you know, but now, now that, you know, now that, you know, I'm making the podcast circuit. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get, then I'll it, get I, your pants. Now it's, you know, I'm slowly inching my way, my way away from total destitution and onto a brighter, you know, a brighter future. And, you know, maybe, maybe I should just cut Jeff Bezos some stuff. Yeah, cut, cut him a little slack. We're being a little hard. I must see though. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, one, when I think about this, like kind of one disaster away, I think about like when when I was like 17 years old and I was already out of the house, you know, not to get Ooh. too much into it, but it's like, I remember. What kind of house was it? What color was it? It was a, it was a uh, double wide trailer. It. it was a double wide trailer and it was a very awesome. religious household. Um, so I left at 17. Classic. Classic. 
so yeah so it led me to where why we're talking about the pop group now um so a lot of unresolved issues is what i'm saying um but you know i think about like when how does it make you feel (laughs) (laughs) yeah this becomes therapy um when i think about like i went i'm sorry our time is up (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm sorry you're good um like i went to the the welfare office because i had no money and uh, they were, they what they make you do is they go through all your assets, which is a funny word when I had mm-hmm. nothing. Um, and they were like, "Well, you have a cell phone, you can't, uh, you can't really be on food stamps if you have a cell phone because that's an indicator that you have money." You know, what? it's like, how do you want me to what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like, why is this a metric? of some success like do i eat my phone does that make will that make you feel better about this you know but i i I think use that as like a metric sometimes when i'm like how many you know the kind of that you said you're two disasters away from that it's like i don't know how far away i am at any time from that moment you know um but you know i'm doing great you're always this close to eating your cell phone (laughs) yeah i'm that close yeah um but yeah, I mean, I guess like I would almost just implore anyone to just Google lyrics because there's so much you can dig into here. And I know you, you would easily agree with that. Um, so I don't want to like read every lyric on the podcast um, to you. Yeah, I mean, what I would what I would actually recommend is, you know, if you can, if you know, go buy the pop groups music and listen to the music and then read the lyrics along. Instead yeah. of just reading the lyrics, because it's it's whether the lyrics are, are great or not is that's one question, but it's you know it's a it's a better record than it is a book. Do you feel like this made you get into things like Ornette Coleman or uh, Sun Ra or was that well, just like a later thing? That's that's that is kind of. kind of a coincidence in a way. I mean, basically when I was pretty young, probably around the time this was coming out, I also started hanging out with these, uh, these guys from this band called Smegma, who okay. are a, uh, who are a, uh, a very weird kind of weird band. And they were like a little bit older than me. And they listened to a lot of, different stuff that I hadn't heard before. They are really into Captain Beefheart and, um, and, you know, yeah, Ornette Coleman, Sun Ra, uh, art ensemble of Chicago, a lot of, a, a lot of, you know, kind of free, free jazz kind of stuff. And that kind of, as well as, as well as being kind of on the periphery of the, of the Portland punk scene, you know, they, were playing shows with punk bands and I played in punk bands that were rehearsing in their basement and all this sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, kind of got to hear a lot of different kind of stuff that I wouldn't have necessarily heard before just hanging out at the punk rock record store or whatever. So the fact that some of that stuff was already kind of on my radar made made the uh the pop groups sort of free jazz edges to things a, a lot more 
I already knew a, a little bit about it. And so it wasn't completely alien to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I, w- one conversation I was hearing you have, uh, I think you mentioned that like your parents were hippies, I think is the way you put it. Yeah. I mean, they're not, not like, not like hardcore hippies, but kind of hardcore hippie adjacent. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I grew up in a very sort of kind of fractured bohemian kind of upbringing. Um, you know, so whatever, you know. So you wouldn't use the word collegiate. It would be more bohemian. Oh, I would not collegiate. No, okay. <laughs> no yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that uh, yeah. Because I think that's when, when I think of someone having hippie parents, I think of uh, like, it's like people are discussing, you know, books about theory or they're discussing like books they read, but it, I guess it was more of like the attitude. Oh man, around. that's those, those hippies sound, that's, that's, those are the crass hippies. Yeah. <laughs> no, mine, mine were more the Grateful Dead hippies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where it was more kind of, it was more kind of like, you know, whatever. Like a, I guess like a tuning like out, a, being tuning and out, being free, hmm. blah blah blah. You know, yeah. um, you, you know, as a, as as a parent, I will tell you, you can be whatever you want to be, but I'm not going to give you any tools as to how to achieve that. Yeah, that that's my upbringing in a nutshell. But it's a, it's surprising to me that in a sense, having parents like that that you didn't just like vote for Reagan or something because that seems to be some, a lot of times I feel like when people are well, uh, raised by, they almost go, the, you know, it's like you go the other way. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's at the moment that you cut off all your hair, you can decide what to do, what to do with that, whether you <laughs> want to, whether you want, how you want to freak out your parents. I mean, but the, the fact is that despite the, despite the fact that I didn't necessarily get it, as much guidance from my parents as I probably should have gotten to develop into a functioning human being. There were some things that they did, that they did, uh, that, that did stick with me. And some of that is, is, you know, kind of like, whatever, anti, anti-war, anti-racist, anti, or, or at least, not racist <laughs> maybe yeah. not anti but you know what i mean and also that, that 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 there's that there is there are issues with the the, the systems in place mm-hmm. and to to kind of question some of that stuff so it was pretty unlikely i i i wouldn't have been able to I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone that direction at all. Mm. Yeah. And I guess like, uh, and whether, you know, and whether, you know, and neither of none of my siblings have, have either, but who knows? I mean, had my parents just kept having kids, maybe eventually they would, they would raise one that would, you know, be, be interested in, in Reaganism, but yeah. Yeah, no. a defender of Kissinger at that point. That's right. I defeat, that's right. <laughs>
Yeah, should Nixon and Kissinger should be should be exalted as war heroes. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what a path that would have been. Indeed. What a world. What a what a glorious world that could be. <laughs> Earlier, I mentioned the she is she is beyond good and evil uh, single, which is not really on many albums, but I would recommend to, to the uh, to the young folks out there to look for uh, St. Vincent's cover of that song. Okay. It is excellent. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. And also there's some things, some thoughts I sort of had about, about the, about the kind of the paranoia of the pop group Okay. that in retrospect may be a little problematic. I'm okay. not entirely sure, but once, you know, I get a little concerned. And again, I have not done a lot of research since, but you, you, you know, when you start, you, you know, if you start blaming the Rothschilds for things. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> sometimes yes. things get problematic. Uh-huh. Uh, and so there may be some issues there. I haven't gone there, but mm. I have thought about it. Um, and I feel like I don't know what where Mark Stewart's head's at right now. He, he seems like he he might be a little he might be a little QAnon at this point. I don't yeah. entirely know because there is a sort of there is a kind of uh, an edge of of paranoia and conspiracy in some of the some of the the stuff that like i said may be problematic i just felt like yeah. i might i might want to bring, just bring that up because i think it's interesting because about. there's a lot of that in british aging british punks there yeah. and you know it's like i didn't even i didn't want to give you know uh i didn't want to give johnny rotten too much airtime but you know definitely he's on the far end of it but you know basically the singer of amoebics i believe kind of mm-hmm. has flirted with a lot of that and has gotten into some criticism there too so yeah it almost it's it starts like proving a horseshoe theory which i don't like to believe in you mm-hmm. know it's almost like maybe because they were so left um they went right and i always feel like i'm like i don't know i don't think it's that easy you know but it's like right they're trying they're almost proving it for me <laughs> you know so right. so it is it is yeah. eh, tricky and i hope not but yes, yeah. when you when you start when you start putting blame on the Rothschilds, it gets into tricky areas, and I back it, away. Yeah. yeah, and 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 so that's you know I guess I'm just you know just pointing that out. I don't I don't I don't know the I don't know enough of the the details to really comment on it. But it's beyond. There's a I get a little twinge, mm-hmm. just a little bit when you know and and some of it may be that you know that 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 this that this sort of like you know i mean you know the 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 thing is the you know the last poets kind of went through some of the same stuff coming from a different perspective but when they start talking about you know whatever pyramids and the all-seeing eye and all of that all of that sort of stuff where you start to get into this kind of like oh you know, in the modern age, we would call it the deep state or whatever. 
it's just it gets it gets a little weird there's also connections with the original poets and uh like malcolm x and then you can mm-hmm. get the connections from there sure. from you know black panther party but then into like nation of islam directly mm-hmm. because of malcolm x but nation of islam sure. has a lot of those those things that you were kind of talking about that sometimes yeah, hit on things that become anti-semitic just yes that is directly what it is so uh, yes yeah um yes. To, yeah, so to not skirt around it, it's anti-Semitism. You know, when you start pointing fingers at the Rothschild, well, it right, coded. that's that's well, that's the thing. Once you start talking about, once you start talking about, you know, cabals, yes, or whatever, which is a Hebrew word, <laughs> you know, once you once you start, you, yeah, once you start talking about that, very often a finger starts getting pointed at Jews and yeah. that's, and that's where things get, you know, when you talk, you talk about whatever internationalism or any of the, any of the code words that are used to, uh, to uh, reference um, Jews. Yeah. That, you know, people will say, even if they don't specifically point at the Rothschilds, you'll often hear they own the banks and then they'll kind of wink at you and you're like, who owns the bank, sir? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing, you know, and that's, there's a, you know, that's all, that's all based in a, in a, you know, a rich, rich European tradition that's, mm-hmm. that's carried on around the world of, of, you know, when you need somebody when you need somebody to blame let's you know let's put together a short list of who to blame that that always i think it kind of goes back to what we're saying i guess we're we're using jeff bezos as the main one and he's he's it's fine too um but it, it it feels like the blame the blame should go to people like him and not to like an undefined race of people you know is always where it, it always well, feels I, like it's which, like yeah and just saying yes yeah Un, an undefined an undefined race of people is a good way to describe the Jewish people because the Jewish people aren't necessarily a race at all. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, the yeah. thing is, it's, you know, I mean, truth be told, if we're, if we're being honest here, uh, I am an American Jew with no Jewish relatives past my parents. Yeah. You know, because you know, it's, that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish, but I have nothing, nothing in my blood that says I, you know, I'm, I'm an Irish Jew. So it's like, you know, whatever it's, 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 you know, I mean, I, I guess I, I, you know, just bristle a little bit at, at even just the, the term, or, you know, race, race when referring to oh, yes. Jews, yeah. it's not really, yeah, it's not really quite, you know, but again, and that you could get into whole kinds of subject, you know, kind of conversations about race in general and how much of that is construct and how much of that is genetic and yeah, we could, you know, and how much, how much, you know, how, how anything any of us are, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, it can get to like an atomic level. <laughs> it's uh, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty much that space between your fingers. <laughs> Yeah, it's but it's yeah, I mean, it is all a construct. I mean, so much things that we set, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of almost like believe that, like, it's like, if you're not Christian, and I know, it's like a weird angle to take it in, um, then it's sort of like, you can't have like a moral compass. But it's like, 
you can't, I mean, it's, it's silly for me to think that people can only be good if they're like beholden to a God, you know, it's like sure. you're good or beholden to a specific God. Any, yeah, any of them yeah. we want to claim. No, I mean, the thing is it's morality can be arrived at, at, at all kinds of different ways. And I think that unfortunately, oftentimes religion is used as a, as a, as a, a divider or a cudgel, you know, it's kind mm -hmm. of like, this is, this is, this is just another way to sort of like, you know, remind ourselves we're good. And the other, the, all of the, all the other, all the other miscellaneous religions that aren't us are, you know, somehow missing out. And that's, that's, that's bullshit. Yeah, I think when you mentioned like the term cabal, and I feel like it's like you gave me the bait on like the QAnon thing, so it's like I can't just leave the thread hanging. Um, <laughs> what what I think though is like it's funny how much research they tend to act like they do, but they won't just research the fact that things like cabal and these all trace back to like the protocols of the elders of Zion, and it's, yeah, so it's like is, if you looked, it's like this is just one hundred one yeah, anti-Semitism. This is, yeah. Yeah, this is this is this is but they can't yeah. do that research well no because the 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 research that they're doing is basically tapping into a kind of you know informational feedback loop where they're going yeah. to continue to they're going to find continue to find out the things that they think they already know mm -hmm. and and that's not research that's that's just reinforcing an a, a existing opinion i mean you're getting you're getting the getting the information you want to get because the thing is it's like i'm just going to look for the stuff that that tells me what i already think of course yeah once once again mike i wish that we disagreed on something you know it would probably make for better radio well yeah i i mean i, I know Not this topic i don't want to disagree with you on this topic that would be a hard thing. okay <laughs> Okay, but, uh, that that's that, that's that probably that's probably best because. <laughs> yes. you know, okay. Um. So, you have a reprint of your book, uh, Maximum Plunder. Indeed. Coming out the beginning of July, we'll say. Um, that's that's what I hear. <laughs> that's what they tell me as well. Yeah. Um. And so, where? I guess, like, I'm I'm. I mean, I look through the book a bunch almost every day for my job. So disclaimer, I work for a company called Go Collect and uh, they are reprinting the book. Right. And uh, for them, I also archive posters. So on a daily basis, I come up, come across many of your posters. So basically what you're fan. saying is you're an unbiased and mm -hmm. un, yeah, you're coming at this as you're, you, you have no, you have no skin in this game. No, not at and, all. I am not a corporate shell. No, you're not. No. Um, but I, the book is amazing. Uh, I would recommend people check it out and not because I benefit from it at all. I actually don't think I directly benefit in the least. Um, but it is an amazing book. And I guess the question is, when this book originally came out, yes. how much of an endeavor was it to put this together? Uh, that book which originally came out in 2016 was about, I think it was about a four year project. So mm -hmm. it took a long, it took a long time. Um, there was a lot of 
a lot of elements to it that weren't really figured out when, you know, it's like, oh, let's, let's, let's do this book. Okay. Well, how do we do this book? How do we, you know, uh, I mean, part of the two is it was like, there was a whole like proposal that was shopped to a lot of different publishers, most of whom didn't really take, take much, didn't could really probably consider it at all. And then mm -hmm. there was a few that kind of considered it for a little bit too long, which just that added to the kind of the slowness of it. And then once it was finally decided, well, no one's gonna put this out, let's put this out ourselves and do like a crowdfunding thing. Then we had to sort of like, okay, so what is this, what is this book? You know, I mean, initially it's like my ideas of, of the book beyond the fact that it would just have a shit ton of posters that I did in it, was, there wasn't much else. But at the same time, it's, I, you know, it sort of needed to, it needed to be more than just a bunch of pictures. So then I had to try to figure out how to write a book, which the people that I worked with, Paul and Shauna, helped greatly just because I, I kind of know how to talk, but I don't know how to write. So yeah. it took it took a lot a lot of a lot of figuring out how to sort of put it all together. Because I mean, like you see books, there's you see you know books that are just like okay, here's here's all the here's all the posters, and there's the posters, and now I have a book of the posters. That's great. But to to try to kind of have have some information. You know, if there's a if there's an anecdote as to why this poster was made or or my thoughts about it seems like a good thing, and to put it into some sort of personal and historical kind of context or whatever, um, you know, historical in a small age historical um, context, that seems like that would be a good thing to put in the book. So that's what we tried to do. Yeah. Yeah, it, it took, feels it took, a, took a long time. It feels like it would be akin to almost like putting a documentary together in that you have to kind of like figure out what is the through line for yeah. like what is the through line to your career that's not just first poster to last poster. Right. You know, and yeah, and I guess the question there is when did you officially start I guess, like, when did you start getting paid to make art? That's <laughs> where we'll start. Probably, probably started getting actually paid shortly, shortly after, um, how much longer <laughs> do we tolerate mass murder yeah. came out? Probably, probably in the, probably in the early eighties. I mean, I know I made a lot of posters that were just, uh, either like bands that I played in or people I knew that were in bands or mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And it eventually in the, in the, the, in the, in the late early eighties. Yeah. Um, that's what I actually started. I th yeah. I think one of the first touchstones that I kind of look at that I kind of view is almost like your beginning, but I'm looking at it not mm -hmm. through the lens of having lived your life uh, is black flag. And yeah. so I feel like that's, and that's right before they broke up. So that's 86. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, like, was that the one that's like painted Willie gone? 
Uh, if you've done a right, couple right. black flag posters, I think from yeah. that same era. So I almost like well, view yeah, that. The, I think the I think the first black flag poster that's in the in the book is probably eighty, maybe eighty two or eighty three. Okay. Yeah. So there's that earlier, but yeah, at the, at the point that I was making black flag posters on a more regular level, they were being, the shows were being handled by actual promoters instead of just kind of people putting on a show. And at that point I probably wasn't, that's when I was getting paid. Yeah. 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 And then you just kept doing it. Then I just kept doing it yeah. and maybe I'll do it again. We'll see. <laughs> We'll see if shows come. I'm still back. waiting. I'm still waiting for the for the phone to ring. But uh, yeah, has if it not, changed? If your not, I've had a good run. <laughs> has it changed your relationship with making posters? Being in Brooklyn, I mean, not with no. uh, if we're taking COVID out of the equation. Um, so so it kind of the phone kept ringing even though you moved coast because i guess people can, oh yeah no i still i still you. yeah a lot of a lot of the people that i worked for were all many of them were located in portland and i, I mean like the people that the people that i made those black those black flag posters not the earliest one but the mid 80s ones or whatever those are people that i've been making posters for since then you know i mean so i continued to make them even when I was, you know, even when I was here, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the job, the job sort of, you know, it's it, it kind of ready made for the, for a kind of remote work situation, yeah. uh, ironically, because it, because it involves people all going into a big room to see a bunch of people do what they do. Then that part went away. I was all, I was, perfectly set to work from home <laughs> yeah. uh, but then there's you know but that part didn't work out and i guess so with looking at a lot of the just so it stated i mean you know the bands you've worked with but um you know things like alice and jane's rem or some of the early foo fighter stuff and then things later on i think in their career uh very amazing circle jerks necros uh poster mm. that i like a lot Oh, that's pretty fun, yeah. Yeah, it's and, like the big, big daddy Roth style. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, even things to like twenty four seven spies, uh, De La Soul, Sun Ra that we were discussing yeah. that you got to mm -hmm. work with, and yeah. I believe the Ice T poster, uh, one of the that kind of yeah. like the yellow one, um, right. and you even got to work with Herbie Hancock, I guess you know was making. Yeah, I mean to say that I got to work <laughs> with is yeah. Is, that's, he stood that's over pretty, you. Pretty, yeah, you I was like, "Hey, Herbie, this is what I did." He's like, "Cool, Mike." It's like, "No, no, I got to write. I got to work on a piece of paper that had Herbie Hancock's name on it." Yeah, uh, your coworkers. You know, but yeah, yeah, no, we're like that. We're more than that. We're you know everybody I ever made a poster for. They're like my family, man. Yeah, yeah, no, all all different kinds of stuff. I mean, the thing is, it's like I always wanted to be able to make any kind of poster, and. And, you know, I, I mean, I like, it helps that I like a lot of different kinds of music, um, but it's not necessary. There's plenty of stuff that I don't, I absolutely don't like that I make posters for. Yeah. And just try not to focus on that, you know, because it's kind of like, the, I mean, most bands are stupid. Yeah. Um, most music is terrible. 
Most movies are terrible. Most books are terrible. Most podcasts are terrible. Everything yeah, is terrible. Definitely. This one. I mean, the, it, it, seriously, because it's like, if it's not, you know, if everything was great, then there'd be no way to differentiate anything and there'd be no personal taste and there'd be no anything. So yeah. I think it's the, you know, it's, it's the fact that a lot of it's bad makes it, makes it, makes it easier to do good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think it's what's interesting about the, I feel like there's a lot of people that will say like, almost like everything's great. Like you'll hear the word, oh, that's great or, you know, and it's like, there are certain things that don't have to be great. I don't, yeah. the people that say everything is great, I don't trust them because they have no, they have no sort of inner compass or inner, any inner way of differentiating good or they're, or they're unwilling to have an opinion. And those yeah. are, those are, I think all red flags with people. Those are, those are not, those are not people that you need to spend time with. Yeah. And it's, it's like, if you're honest with yourself too, it's fine if you enjoy things that aren't great. Yeah, that is true. Too. Everything doesn't have to be made great just because you had a personal enjoyment of it. That's right. It's not not you know. I have many hundreds of records that aren't. How much longer do we tolerate mass murder? Yeah, you know, and you'll listen I, to them even though they are not great records. I will. I will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. I've been looking at your posters for all this time. And so it's good to, you know, have a face to those posters. Yeah, no, I, I think that it's, I think it's, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity. I, I, it's kind of funny to kind of like, oh, you want to talk about a record and it's like, oh, and I had to think about that. And I'm, I was happy to, happy to think about it. And so that was a, a fun sort of whatever mental exercise. And I guess, you know, to a lesser extent, it's always good to do the uh, the promotional shit one needs to do to get your name out there, whatever. Yeah. So that name is Mike King. Websites, crashamerica.com. You can look at some posters. It's Mike King on Instagram. Get Maximum Plunder through uh, through Go Collect. It's a, it, is a, it is a good book. It weighs a lot. Don't drop it on your foot. It has a lot of posters in it. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's what I got. <laughs> well, thank you. You're very welcome. Welcome back. Thanks again to Mike King for coming on the pod. It was a huge honor speaking with him, and I would seriously recommend checking out the second pressing of Mike's book, Maximum Plunder. Once again, it's available now at shop.gocollect.com. It's an amazing book. I've looked through it so many times. Can't recommend it enough. Okay, next week, we're talking with Amy Hoffman of the band Future Teens about Carly Rae Jepsen's 2015 album, Emotion. We had an amazing chat, and I'm looking forward to you all hearing it. Future Teens last released their EP, Deliberately Alive, on March 12, 2021 on Take This to Heart Records. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Matter for the theme. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and tell a friend. Subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Okay, see you next week. <laughs>